Welcome to Grace. It's good to be back. Amen. So I've had a little bit of a break. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, before we get there, I want to just help you um, engage with the day's message. And so you should have gotten a bulletin when you came in. Inside, you'll have some notes. And these are just some suggested notes. I'll give you some bullet points on how to follow along. But some of the best notes, some of you have already probably realized this, are not even on this page, huh? So sometimes God will speak to you in a pretty cool way, and we give this to you because we want you to jot it down, because we don't want you to miss when God's speaking to you, because that's really why we hope that you're here, is that you've come, because you believe that God is going to speak to you today, whether it's through a song, through a prayer, through a message. Every one of you, I know that God wants to speak to you and share something cool about who he is and what's going on in your life. So we've been doing a series in the book of Hebrews, okay? And so through that series, let me catch you up, because this is the last one. So this is the ending, okay? This is the end. My only friend, the end. Okay, so different song. How many of you caught it? Okay, I know when you listen to music then. Some of you didn't catch that at all. It's okay. So we're going to finish this series, but before we do, let me catch you up. So the whole series has been about that Jesus is greater. That's what this whole book is really about. The author of Hebrews wanted the people to know that Jesus was greater than their religion, that Jesus was greater than their stature, that Jesus was greater than their leaders. And all throughout this, he keeps coming back to, he tells them this tabernacle thing that they've been worshiping through, even that is an earthly symbol of something that's greater that Jesus supersedes that. We looked at the idea of you can actually offer something in church and it'd be a, both an offense and a blessing to God based on your heart, especially how it's connected to how you see Jesus, we looked at the impact of how there's this kind of going back and forth in this book of encouragement and then warning. I don't know if you've caught that as you've read through the book of Hebrews. Like every once in a while he says, hey, I love y'all, things are going well, but hey, watch out. That's a recurring theme that happens here. And then we also saw Dustin walk through the hall of faith a few weeks ago, which is a cool chapter. If you missed that one, go back and read that one. Hebrews 11 is all about how God was pleased with the faith of people. And so then I actually talked a little bit before that about burnout, and that's actually in here. And that was one of the reasons why I took a sabbatical. And so some of you are like, where have you been, man? Well, for about 12 days, I took a sabbatical just to rest and to pray and to get my heart back to a place where it needed to be. And then I was able to actually hang out with your leadership team. I said, hey, out of the sabbatical, let me tell you what God shared with me. So as I was coming back into our church, I said, three things that God showed me. I want to share these with you before I jump into the end of Hebrews. Here's the first one. I don't think any of us have realized the full impact of COVID. Amen or oh me. Yeah. So one of the things I was able to realize in taking a break was, man, COVID really took a wear and a tear on God's people. It took a wear and tear on God's church. And it took a wear and tear on me, and especially your leadership, as we tried to make sure that we continued to gather in a healthy way through COVID. And it was hard. So we began to recognize the impact that had. The other thing, as I told them, is um, the area of ownership is something that God brought to my mind. He reminded me that um, I'm not the minister. I don't know if you all know that. That the people are the ministers of God's church, and the pastors are the equippers of those people. And that was brought back in, in just plain view for me as I took a sabbatical. And the last one was unity, right, Miss Julia? Unity is something that we need to continue to struggle for, fight for, and definitely get our needs and pray for as a church. Those three things came to me, and I shared those with your leaders, and so I believe those will impact us as a church family as we move forward. So keep listening for those themes, because I believe you're going to hear those as we move forward as a church. So let me get to the end. 
This is a great ending of this book. Um, if you've missed any of the pieces, go back and read it. But I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. If you want to flip there in your Bible, you want to look at it in the notes or grab it on your Bible app. I'm going to look at just 13, 15 through 25. I want to break these down in a way for you and for I, in a way that maybe you'll see something new about God's heart and really how you can bless God's heart. So let's look at this together. Again, Hebrews 13, look at it 15 through 25. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage or benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he gives a tag, if you missed it. And I love this because there's some personal pieces in the gospels and in all, especially in the letters to the church that we sometimes miss. We gloss over them. But look at what the author of Hebrews says to this church and to this gathered people. He says, brothers, and he means sisters too. He means all y'all, Eastern Shore translation. All y'all, I urge you, to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. Now, that ought to freak some of you out that can't even read an email, okay? 13 chapters is a short letter back then. That'll tell you something about our attention span and the ADD nature of our culture, okay? And then he says, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Do you hear the heart and the affection at the end of the letter? So it tells you something about the authors of the New Testament, but also it tells you something about, in this specific area of Hebrews, something that I think will blow us away, which is how to actually bless God. Have you ever thought about that? What pleases God? What blesses God? Now, before I get in there, let me make something clear. Um, the Christian faith is not a faith where you do something for God and then God does something back for you. That's called karma, right? There's no such thing as Christian karma, okay? It doesn't work that way in the Christian faith. So I wanted to get that kind of on the table. It's not like I do this and so therefore God is obligated to do this. There's a lot of that kind of teaching out there in the church. The Christian faith, so we're all on the same page from the beginning, is Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I can't live. No matter how much we try to please God, we will never perfectly please God. So Jesus, knowing that, came, lived the life that perfectly pleased God, and then offered it as a sacrifice to the Father. The Father not only accepted the sacrifice, but Jesus said it's for everybody else by faith that wants this. And if they grab onto it by faith and believe, then God is pleased and accepts them. Not based on anything that they do, but based on everything that Jesus did. That's, in a nutshell, the Christian faith. But... Just because you're in a good covenant relationship with someone doesn't mean that you still don't want to know how to please them. So let me give an example of this so we can really understand this text. I've been married for 30 years. 
I could say, yep, that's good stuff, right? I could say, well, I've been married 30 years. By now, if things change and my love for her changes, I'll let her know, right? You ever heard somebody say that? If my love for you changes, I'll let you know. How many of y'all think that would work well in a marriage? Okay, good. If you raised your hand, we were sending you to marital counseling today. So even though I'm in a covenant relationship with my wife and it's a good relationship, it doesn't mean I still don't want to know how to please her, right? How to make her happy, how to actually make our relationship better. And that's really what you're about to see in this text. If you have a living relationship with Jesus, you've got the covenant. Jesus has bought you at a price and you are his. The relationship's good, but it doesn't mean that you can't make the relationship deeper, better, more fruitful, beautiful, in a deeper connection to God's heart. And in this text, the author says, I'm going to show you the things that bless and please the heart of God. Now, the cool thing is you don't have to do that for acceptance. He already loves you and accepts you. But if you want a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God, these next three things will do that. They will deepen that relationship. And that's why it's so cool in the end. This is what the author puts. So in the end, let me tell you what God is pleased with. God is pleased with one, sacrificial worship and ministry. You can put service there if you don't like the word ministry. But he's pleased with worship and with ministry. Look at again, verse 13. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, church, This is why when people say, well, why are you so hung up on the winds sometime and sharing the winds? Let me tell you why, for those of you who don't like my wind, word, and wrestle, let me drill it in for you really good and hard, okay? Here's why I like the idea of a wind, a word, and a wrestle when people meet in group. Somehow we are a negative people, aren't we? We seem to find the worst in everybody and everything. If you're with anyone for any amount of time, it won't take long before they'll start to complain. Some of us have a different word for that we're not allowed to say in church, but they start to complain, And they complain about the government and they complain about their friends and they complain about their family. They might complain about their marriage if they've been, you know, blessed to have one, you know, but they got lots of things to complain about and it's easy to go there. And when you complain all the time and then you have a relationship with God, you might start complaining to God more than actually blessing God. You know what I'm saying? Your prayers might sound more like God, life sucks. Let me list the ways. And you begin like a poem for God of all the ways that life just does not work. And what you don't realize is you've created a habit of always looking at the bad. So what I love about this is it says, offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice because there was a habit behind it where you learned to look for the goodness of God. I love that song. Isn't that a great song you sang? God's so good. Some people sing it and they're like, I don't think so. It's because your perspective hasn't been rounded yet to the point where you know that God's good. Because when you start looking for the goodness of God, you start finding the goodness of God. This is why wins are so important. We share them with one another. When I say, I know your life is tough, but share, me, share one win that God's done in your life. And you start changing your perspective to that win, it changes your heart and attitude toward God. You ever notice how hard it is to actually be mad with someone and pray for them at the same time? That's connected to the same idea. And one of the things that you need to know is it says the fruit of lips that confess his name. One of the ways that you can actually begin to shift your perspective to know the goodness of God is understand the character of God. To understand the character of God, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways is know the names of God. Miss Julie put it right up on the board in case you missed it. Um, She loves to do that little board out there. If you haven't seen it, there's names of God up there. I'm only going to hit a few, but I want to show you how knowing the names of God 
especially out of this text, the fruit of the lips that confess his name will change your perspective on the goodness of God and possibly, most surely, give you a new way to worship God. So um, it starts with the root word of Jehovah. Anybody know where that comes from? Just out of curiosity. It's a fun little kind of word. It's actually not a word for God. There's, the, there's your first clue. I'll let you look that up later. You can Google it. So we don't actually know the name of God. So those really cool Hebrew scholars way back in the day when they were writing the Bible, they thought the name of God is too holy. So they actually took all of the vowels out. How do you like that? Take the vowels out of your name and try and pronounce it. That's kind of fun. Okay. So, and then they said, well, now that we don't know his name, we forgot his name. Huh? Okay. That's kind of funny. Let's take another name from a word called the Lord Adonai, and then we'll stick the vowels in that. We'll just come up with this name. Now it's that's the word Jehovah. That's where we get that name. So it's a combination of two names because God's people forgot how to say his name. How funny is that? Okay. Now the good news is he's big enough. You call on him whatever name you want. He'll show up. All right. You can look that up. It's kind of a fun little fact for those of you who like Bible. But attached to that name, Jehovah, are the characteristics of God in Scripture. And they're pretty cool. Let me give you a few. Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know what that one is? My provider. Some of y'all lived back in the 80s when we had that old chorus. Okay. I'm, yeah. So Jehovah Jireh means my provider. So when you come to God and you say, gosh, everything I have is a provision from God's hand. I wonder how that will change the way that I worship him and I talk to him. Here's another one. How about... Jehovah Rapha. Anybody know that one? Some of you are seeking that one right now. He's your healer. It means that no matter what's going on in your life, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, God is your healer. That will change the way that you worship him as you call out on him by that name. This one's a fun one that a lot of people don't understand. Jehovah Nisi. Anybody know what that one is? He's my banner. The banner is an interesting one because armies go into battle. You've seen this probably all your life, especially during the Civil War and older wars. They had a big old flag that preceded them, right? And everybody rallied to the flag, right? This is that God himself is the flag by which that you raise and that all of God's people rally around. That's his character. He rallies all of his people to himself and to the mission that he has, which means you're never, ever alone. How about Jehovah Shalom? You probably know that one. Peace. Means anything you're going through, anything that's happening in life, that if you want to praise and worship God by God's name, you can come to God and say, no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy life gets, you are my peace. No matter what's going on around me, I can ground myself in you to know your peace. Now, these are just the Jehovah names. There's all kinds of other names that you might actually look up and know God by, but one of my favorite names is, is Abba. That's the one Jesus liked to use regarding his father. Anybody know what that one is? It's daddy. That's the best translation for our English. It's daddy. That my father, my daddy, is someone I can crawl up into his lap regardless of what's going on, regardless of where I am, and he'll love me not for what I do, but for whose I am, that I'm a son or a daughter. And I can approach him in that way. Now, when you start saying these names and start to praise and worship through this reality, it will change how you think. But you also need to know it blesses the very heart of God. He is so pleased with that and helps your relationship to draw even tighter. Verse 16 goes on and says, and, not, and don't forget to do good and to share with others 
For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now, what's beautiful about this is doing good and sharing with others is at the very heart of who God is. And one of the things that we wanted to do to give you a perspective and a picture that maybe some of you have missed, because it's easy to miss stuff in church, amen? Is we wanted to bring Mr. Williams, who none of you have met, but you've heard a lot about. We wanted to bring him into church today, and so he's here with his brother, right? I'll make the relationship right. Y'all come up, and Pastor Dan's going to introduce them to y'all, and then we're going to pray a blessing over him in his home. I heard it all for a second. Like four. Here. Yep, there we are. All right, so good morning, church family. So first and foremost, um, this is Mr. William. I want to give you a little backdrop before I turn the mic over to Mr. William. Uh, you know, as church leadership, uh, last year around November, we felt drawn to disaster relief work. And as many of you have been supporting that, coming out and helping in all the different ways, uh, we were really drawn to a um, certain service act. And we had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to meet Mr. William. Um, and the first day that I met Mr. William, I want to give you this little backdrop because it's important. The first day I met him, I went down to his house. I sat with him for about an hour in his kitchen. And um, Mr. William proceeded to tell me uh, how just three years ago he had lost his wife to a battle with cancer. And then as she was battling, he had also developed a form of cancer. And his wife eventually winds up passing and um, life just gets really, really hard on him at that point in time. And then, you know, turn around, as, as he's going through treatments, his house turns around in floods with that big king tide that came up. We all remember that. It was a big flood. Um, and Mr. William finds himself in a very down, low place without hope. And, like, he was, when I met him, his, his words were, I'm just, I'm done. And I'm ready to give up. And I have no hope and can't see anything better right now. And I remember, I just remember that conversation so clearly that we had. And I just remember God just really ripping my heart apart in that moment with you and just saying, you know what, Mr. William, I want you to know that there is hope and we are going to show up in a way that you have never seen God show up. And we want to do this to bless you. And we have been at your house since November and continue to go down. As a matter of fact, I have a trip coming back down next Saturday that if you're interested, church, we're going back down. Um, to continue, we are so close to getting him back in his house. And I know the one thing I remember you said, and this, and this is something that has stuck out with me, Mr. William, is you told me, you said, uh, Danny, all I want is to be in my house. I want to die in my house where my wife died. I want to be back in my home. That's what I want in life. And I, I just, I know that you have seen a lot of hope. And I also know that it, it's, been, it's been great getting to know you more and more over the season. And uh, just recently, Mr. William had shared with me, church, um, that his, his cancer is, is back and he's getting ready to go through treatments again. And um, my heart bleeds for that situation. And um, that's why we're pushing so hard to do what we're doing. And I thought it was important that y'all got to see this brother's face because you've heard his name. And so many of you have been a part of it, but you haven't had a chance to meet him yet. So, Mr. William, I want to give it to you now to let you say whatever you want to say to the church. All right, ready? Well, I like to say. Y'all is very important to me. Y'all is angels to me. And I appreciate everything, what everybody's doing for me. All the people come down to the house and work on it. 
and I've been through a lot of rough times. I buried my brother, I met my wife one week. I buried my other brother the following week. Then when I uh, went home, there was a big old tree landed all the way across my house. So I had to get people up to help me get that off. Then after that, it was just been one disaster after another. Then when my house flooded, when I went down there, I just sat there in my climb. I was just giving up. Then when I came back to my friend's house in town, she seen the pastor's name in the paper. She said, give them a call. They'd be glad to help. What y'all doing is fantastic. And I'm really, really, really deep down appreciate everything, what people's doing. And that's all we're going to say for right now. That's, that's perfectly okay, William. Church family, if you haven't had a chance to, to meet Mr. William in person, make sure you make it a point today to come up and just say hi after service. Just engage with him. Um, I know, like he said, he greatly appreciates everything that everybody's been doing from the financial support to the actual labor of going down. And for all the prayers and all the things that have been happening in the background that go unseen, like I know he greatly appreciates it. And I know he shared oh, yeah. with me that the hope has come back to his life. Um, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I know that over our relationship over the last several months, uh, William was actually encouraged to stop drinking, and he attended a recovery program for 30 days, got himself set on a better path, and since that moment, his life has been turning around and hope has been reestablished in his life. So, like, we like to celebrate that, church. Like, yeah, that, that's amen. huge, right? So, so know that doing these things, this disaster relief things, this, this going out into the community, it, it, it empowers people in more ways than just what we think. Like it, it reestablishes hope and love in people's hearts and it makes the world a difference of how they move forward with their day to day. So right now, if, if we could church, I like this. If you just reach out your hand, yeah, let's we, pray we, over we, him. we just want to pray over Mr. William right now. Um, Father God, it's us. We're here. We just humbly submit to you, God. We're, we're just so grateful for who you are and, and, and what you've created and how we get to live in the world that you've, you've made for us, Father. But right now, we just lift up Mr. William. Father, we, we just ask that whatever, whatever your will is, let it be done over his life. But Father, we pray that you would provide healing over this disease, Father, that you would give him courage to be able to face these treatments, Father, that you would sustain him when it seems all lost, Father, that you would provide every last thing that he needs to make it through to continue this fight, Father, and that you would, that, that ultimately you would be glorified through what people see come out of Mr. William in the rest of his story, Father, that they would gain the same hope that he is gaining back, Father. I thank you for the restored heart, and I pray that you continue to strengthen that heart and that he would learn to lean into you and accept your love, and Father, that ultimately he would come back to be able to show your love to other people in his day to day as he goes through these treatments, Father, that people would see you through him, the perseverance that comes through him, that they would see what you're capable of. And Father, I just thank you so much for this brother. I thank you for putting him in our church's path. I thank you for putting him in my path. Father, I just pray that you continue to lead him 
and us as we move forward in this journey together, Father. And again, thank you so much for him and thank you for his brother Ira and the rest of the family that stand with him and support him on a regular father I thank you for their hearts I just pray that you continue to bless them as they continue to walk with their brother through this season in Jesus precious name amen amen thank you buddy. let me read it to you again church and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifice, God is pleased. Yeah. So this is one of the ways that we please God. And one of the reasons we want you to see things like this is it's so easy. If I'm just going to be blunt with you, which I've been accused of being blunt. Okay. But just want to be blunt with you for a second is Sunday is great. I'm going to tell you right now, I hope you encounter God today and God blesses you and God just gets inside of you in a way that you've never seen before. But when we go there, God is glorified in a way that is unlike any other way. And if you're going to choose between going on a mission trip and coming to church, go on the mission trip because that's the mission of Jesus and that's where he wants you. I'm just telling you, that's the better place and that's what pleases God. The second thing is in the end, if you want to please God and bless his heart, number two, it takes humility and prayer. In the end, God's pleased with humility and prayer that keep the family together. Now, it's really easy for any pastor to love this next verse in 17, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So obey your, oh, look, you didn't even want to say it. Somebody said scripture right away. Obey your leaders. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't like that obey your leaders part. So obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Let me break this down for you and why it's so important and why I didn't just say obey your leaders. That has to do with humility and prayer. And those are the two key real points of this. Is a biblical leader, if they are a biblical leader who is completely in love with Jesus, submits themselves every day to the word of God through their devotion and through their prayer life. They're already submitted to the scriptures. And they're attempting to, if they're a biblical leader, lead you to be a new Testament church in the world today, which is why the author says, why would you oppose such leadership? Because all you're doing is cutting your nose off to spite your face. You've heard that one, right? If you're making their job hard and leading you forward to being a New Testament church, what you're doing is you're hurting your own New Testament journey. When you look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, there's this great picture of the church. And most churches that I know, not all of them, but most of the ones I've met, are trying to live this out. And what the author is saying is, look, have some humility. Do you know what the root word for humility is? It's a hilarious word. It's the same word where we get uh, Adam from. It has to do with where we get human from. And some of you at home, you've got this pile of crap. You know what I'm talking about? That you put all the junk on, all the stuff from your house that's the biodegradable junk, and you leave it out there because you're going to get some worm food with it, right? And it's called a humpen pile. You know what it's called? It's a hummus or hummus pile. Did you know that that same root word is the root that we get for human, which is the word which we also get for humility? You know, like when you're at a funeral and it says, from the earth you came into the earth you Return, you return to the the dirt. Humility is the recognition that every single one of us, if we're just blunt again about ourselves, is we're just dirt. But because the breath of God has been breathed into our lungs and we are on mission with God, with what God's doing, 
We're precious. You're beautiful. You're loved. You're favored. Even though this is the reality that I know who I am, that's humility. That only when I'm connected with the heart and the mission of God, that true value comes into my life and grounds me where I need to be. That's humility. And when I have that kind of humility, I can move forward with a leadership that's moving in the direction of where God's going. And I find myself that I don't complain about the things that really aren't worth complaining about. I'm hearing good biblical teaching. I'm hearing good preaching. I'm seeing leaders that are going out and not just sitting in their office that are actually trying to engage with the world. I'm like, I want to follow after those people. That's essentially what's at the heart of this. But let me tell you what most church folk do, and they don't even know that they do it, which is why I believe the author of Hebrews put it here. Instead of getting out there and getting it done, they'd rather go and find a friend and gossip about it. Amen or oh me? Most church folk I've run into, you'd rather find a group of people that agree with you on a particular topic, whether it's a teaching style or a church style or a music style or I don't like his draw, whatever it is. You can find a reason that you're like, I don't like that version of teaching or theology. And you'd rather talk to other people about this little teeny thing that most of the world doesn't even care about instead of actually engaging in the actual mission which would bless not only your pastor, but bless the very heart of God. Let me, let me tell you why this is so important in your life and in my life. There's been times in my life, I don't know if you're there, where I found myself, I'm like, I'm not sure I agree with church leadership. By the way, that's okay. But I asked the question, are they preaching scripture? Are they grounded in the word? Are they moving missionally with where God wants to go? And then I asked the question, well, if that's true, then the problem isn't them. It's me. Then maybe God's stirring me because there's a better fit for me, a better place for me, where I can be in greater alignment and in greater agreement with where the leadership is. And whenever those seasons have come into my life, instead of complaining with other people in the church and making the job of the pastor or the leadership hard, I go directly to the pastor and say, here's what's going on. Can we pray about this? Can we talk about this? And there's been times when we've done that that the pastor, especially if they're a good pastor, will say, sounds like God may be sending you missionally to a different place. Let's find out where that is and let's send you with blessing. That's what this is supposed to look like if there's humility both on the pastor's part and the congregant's part. But again, we would rather usually gossip and talk about it than get on mission and deal with it. And that's what's at the heart of obey your leaders, because one day I will stand before the living God and I will give an account for every soul in this room. Not your decisions, because some of y'all make dumb decisions like me. I'm not accountable for your decisions, you're accountable for those. But I am accountable for the preaching, the teaching, and how I lead you toward the mission of Christ. And those that follow under the leadership of their pastor that's led like that, you not only will bless me, but you will bless the very heart. In presence of God. I can't tell you how many ways this fleshes itself out in the American church. Well, I don't believe in membership. Well, there's probably churches for you that don't believe in membership either. Let me help you find one. Well, I don't like classes. Well, there's probably churches that don't do classes. Well, I don't, I hear it all the time, church family. And what I'm telling you is this is where your church is, this is where your leadership is, this is where our heart is, but we're moving forward with the mission. 
And you got to get on board or find a place where you can. Because the kingdom is a big place. And it needs people to stop complaining about the nuances of the church. And get more engaged with the heart of the church. That's what's at the heart of this. That's why humility is such a part of it. I love it. It says, pray for us. We're sure that we have this clear conscience and desire to live in an honorable way. I particularly urge you to pray that we might be restored to you soon. One of the things that blesses me more than anything else, and a lot of you do this, and it just, oh man, it just gets me right where I am, is when you say, I've been praying for you. You have no idea what that means to leaders and to other people, right? When you know people are praying for you, and they're not just saying it is that little thing like praying for you, which means if I think of you, I'll pray for you. It's like I have that daily time where your name is on my prayer list. And I pray over you, I pray with you, I pray for the direction of God in your life. There is power in prayer. When I go to churches, one of my favorite things to do, this may offend some of you, but I'm in an offending kind of mood today, okay? So here's the reality. I love going to churches, and I love to go to the back, and I love to grab their prayer card. You ever done that? Because most churches have a prayer list. Okay, we've got one that's digital, but you you grab the prayer list, and you say, let me see what the church is praying for. What do you think most churches pray for? Aches, pains, oh's, and woes. That's what churches pray for. It's like, that's what they pray for. And they're like, why? We should pray for one another's aches, pains, and oh's, and woes. Don't hear me wrong. But what should really move us is praying for the hand of God. In our church, in our community, in our families. Like, man, would our prayers get grounded in such a way, God would move in a different way. I'm telling you. And so prayers are huge, and those kind of prayers really bless me. I was talking to a gal who's at a church that's dying. Um, her, her pastor is kind of a tough pastor to crack, just to be honest. Got some serious issues. But I'm talking to her about the situation, trying to help their church, because we have a heart for churches and revitalization. And this lady tells me, yeah, yeah there's some major issues in my pastor, but here's the reality. I know that my role is to pray for him. And I'm like, Wow. There's all kinds of major issues in this church. I can see them even from afar. And here's this lady who is without a doubt a saint in the faith. And she says, I know that my job is to pray for him. That if God wants to move him on, guess what God will do? He'll move him on. That's not my job. My job is to pray for him. And I thought, what humility. And those are the kind of things that when that happens, God is not only pleased, but God moves. And he moves in powerful ways. The third thing is, if in the end, if you really want to please God and bless his heart, you need to know that in the end, God's pleased with his will made alive in you and I. That's what really pleases God. When his will begins to manifest inside of who we are, I love 2021, may the God of peace, there's that shalom again, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you, you, church, with every good thing, with everything good for doing what? Your will. Is that what it says? He wants to bless you to do everything good for your will. Is that what it says? Whose will? His will. His will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to you. No, no, it doesn't say that, does it? To whom? To him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory be forever and ever. Amen. Which amen means so be it. What I love about this is it changes our perspective on our prayer life again. Our prayer life should look more like this, right? God, 
What are you doing in this situation? How are you wanting me to react? We, we live in a generation of people that think the goal of prayer is somehow to change the mind of God. If I go to God the right way, with the right posture, if I have enough faith, I can change the mind of God. Instead of, God, what do you want to do through this situation, and how can your humble servant be a part of it in submission? That is an amazing paradigm shift. I think one of the problems that happened during COVID as I meditate and pray on it is we fed the consumerism of the American Christian all the more. You know what's funny about COVID? During the greatest plagues over the last few hundred years, when the plague hit and everybody ran, there was one group of people that didn't run. They didn't shrink. It was the church. The church ran to the disease to alleviate pain. The church ran to the disease, terrified that people may go into an eternity without the gospel, the good news, and spend eternity in hell. And so they ran to the disease to make sure that everybody exposed to it heard the gospel. That they might, if they died from the disease, because that was still possible, that they might go to heaven and live eternally with God and they'd see him again. But we as the church shrunk from this opportunity because I think we were so concerned about just doing church that we forgot to be the church. And these are the kind of things that I think God wants to do. He wants to form Christ in you and in me to be bold, to think less of ourselves and more about the kingdom, to think less about preference more about the gospel. When these things happen, oh my gosh, the kingdom is made alive in you and in me. And then Christ's mission is evident. People are like, why would you do that? Why would you think that way? Why would you? Because the gospel with what Jesus has done matters. So my last question for you as we think about what it means for him to be made alive in you and in I is, who are you living to please today? Because that'll tell you where you are on this issue. Do you live to please yourself? Do you live to please a spouse? Do you live to please a religion? Do you live to please a philosophy, a lifestyle? Or at the end of the day, can you say with all of your being and all of your heart, I live to please one person alone, and his name is Jesus. Because if that's where you are, you are grounded in a wonderful place that pleases and blesses the heart of the creator of all the universe. And he will lead you to a place that will surprise you, challenge you, confound you, frustrate you, but bless you in the end and bless his heart overwhelmingly. And if you haven't got to that place, it's the place I want to help you get to because it's the best place for you. Let's pray and dedicate ourselves in such a way. Father in heaven, as we come to the end of this amazing book, as we come to the end of this book, that we don't even know the author's name who wrote it, we thank you that it's infused with your presence and your good news, that it's infused with challenging questions and challenging things that make us think about how we live 
And are we at the right place in this season of our life? Father, for all of us, if we are blunt and honest with you, every single one of us, including me, there have been seasons and times that we don't live for you, that we lived for ourselves or a different motive. Father, this morning, that is the thing we bring to you to say that we're sorry. Father, I'm sorry when I've lived for the wrong cause, the wrong thought, the wrong motive. Father, I confess that to you today. But we as a people stand thankful that you sent Jesus to die for us, to pay for our sin, our stubbornness, our lack of humility when we've made life about us instead of about your mission. Father, thank you that he was humble. And even though he was perfect, he died a criminal's death in our place. He died the death that all of us deserve so that we would never have to face that. Father, we put our hope and our belief and our trust in the person of Jesus alone. And we just say thank you that because of what he's done, we are completely forgiven. And Father, we move forward now in that relationship, wanting to bless you, to honor you, and to show our love for you by committing our life to you. Father, we open our hearts. We ask you to show us any area that falls short so that we can continue to submit our life to Christ and that he might be made alive again in us, the body of the church. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, I just want to thank you um, formally, not only for Mr. William, but also for all of you that support the mission of this church. Um, a lot of people will say, well, how do, it's funny, uh, Pastor Tony, who's been working in Cordova, he had some new folks start showing up at the church, so you can thank God for that. And he said, it's funny, because you know our tradition here at the church is, we usually don't take up a traditional offering. And some people notice, he's like, lady showed up and says, I don't even know how to give at your church. So uh, he reminded me, you may have to tell people sometimes. So if you do support this church, one, I want to tell you thank you very much. Because what you're doing helps us to support missions like Mr. William and other areas. But the way that you do that is there's an offering box on the way back. We don't make it a big deal. If God moves in your heart and you want to write a check or put cash in an envelope, that's where you put it. And one of the most important things that you can give to the church today is not only an offering like that, but make sure that you take that Connect card. Tell us how to pray for you. Tell us what's going on in your family. It's inside your uh, bulletin. It's one of the things that when we read over those as pastors every week and we pray over these every week, um, we are actually engaging not only with the heart of God, but we're also praying over you. And so tell us how to pray for you. And also don't just tell us how to pray for stuff. Tell us cool stuff going on in your life. Like, don't be afraid to share the win on this. Like, I want to tell you something cool God did this week because that's something that blesses us when we read those. You can text that to us too, uh, message it to us. I don't care how you sit, share it, but share it. But I just want to tell you thank you specifically for how you supported that mission because that mission has made a big difference, not only in his life, but each and every life, the person that's gone to actually serve. Amen? So right after church... We're going to have a meeting for online ministry. If you've been impacted by online ministry, one of the things that we wanted to do as a church family is give the church family an opportunity to speak into online ministry. So we'll do two meetings today because we want to hear from the church how that's working and not working and also uh, maybe how that would shape how we move forward with online ministry. So we'll do that right after um, our uh, gathering here, but then we'll also do one for people that can only do online at 3 p.m. 
So you'll get an email sent out today shortly. If you can't make the meeting right after church, you can make the meeting at 3 p.m. It'll be on Zoom. So we really want to hear from you because um, online ministry is changing. We can feel it's um, shifting in some ways, but we want to get input from the church and just not make blind decisions without hearing from you. Amen? So let me say a prayer of blessing over you, and I just want to thank you for coming, and I pray that you heard God's voice clear today and that you take a step of faith and action because that's what really pleases the heart of God. Let me pray over you. Father in heaven, I pray your blessing over each and every person gathered here and online. I pray that as they move from this place to wherever you are taking them next, that they will take a step of faith and that you will take them out into your mission field and they can share the good news of who Jesus is with someone who maybe has never been introduced to him or just needs a blessing from the heart or the hand of God. We pray that blessing and that expectation over everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday.